Hey, you're one of our regular students for Self-Improvement Wednesday. Each week you get to learn something new, your lesson this week. So you want to be a scientist. How to make that work? Dr Cathy Foley is Australia's chief scientist and she joins us here on Drive. Good afternoon. Hi, Richard. Great to be with you again. Now, on International Women's Day, can we talk about science careers for for women in particular? The barriers, they're still high, aren't they? Yes, we are attracting women in, probably not anywhere near the level we would like to see. But the barriers are that we're not seeing enough uh, women being retained and being able to have the fulfilling careers. I've been lucky that it's, and there's been a little bit of luck along the way in order to be in this uh, lifelong career, ending up as Australia's chief scientist, which is amazing. But for many, it's not always as easy. Childcare, uh, being able to juggle the sorts of things that you need to juggle in order to have an effective career. But also the other is um, just being able to be recognised for the work that you do. I think there's still quite a lot of bias in the system of how we measure what is good. Now, we're going to talk in a, in a while about, based on your own career, your, your tips for how to, how to make it work, your tips particularly for, for young women who might be thinking uh, about this life. But can we start, uh, can we talk first about why this matters? Because you argue it's not just a matter of equity, it's in the interests of science to do this. Yeah, so as you, everyone would be aware, there's so many critical issues we need to solve in order to be not just the nation we want to be, but, you know, to have survival of the world, you know, tra- energy transition, uh, how to make sure that we're able to have a way of dealing with pandemics faster so that we're developing drugs at a rate that will allow that to be transitioned into the population quickly. That's just a couple. So how do we do that? Well, we have to have the greatest minds to think up the solutions to those questions, which are big science meaty questions. And if we're only asking half the population about that, we're not using our full human potential. And uh, so that's the first thing. We just need that. And all the evidence is when you have diverse teams working on problems, you get better solutions. Plus also you get solutions that work for everybody. I I think we all know uh, that there's uh, often uh, a low diversity in thinking means that the solution is very narrow. Well, we only yeah. talked yesterday about heart attacks and the different treatment of w- women and men when they turn up to emergency, and it really goes back to research done years ago on heart attacks, which only used male respondents, so therefore we've got no information about how women respond to heart attacks. You, you nailed it, and that's just one of many. Now, let's talk about a bit about you. What were the barriers for you, do you think? So the barriers for me, uh, I guess the first thing was childcare. When I had my uh, first child, getting on to 34 years ago, uh, there was no long daycare. I was working at West Linfield and uh, the whole Karingai area in Sydney did not have any long daycare available at that stage. So the first thing was actually doing that and... uh, and getting a, um, a childcare centre built. So I worked with some people from the Kringai Council and from CSIRO with a Commonwealth Government grant. We built a centre which I was the treasurer of for seven years. So that was one barrier. Another one was actually, um, I think, being taken seriously as wanting to have a career that wasn't going to stop when I had children and being seen to uh, be able to... Uh, apply for jobs and get them. And I can't believe, if I think about it, it was it was 34 years ago in May that I applied for an indefinite role in CSIRO where I worked for 36 years before I took this role. And I was a point, I had been on temporary jobs or term positions and 
I was beginning to think I wasn't going to have an ongoing role, but I interviewed for an ongoing role. I was seven months pregnant, interviewed by three older men who were <laughs> senior people, and I got the job. And I think about that now. That was pretty unusual back in 1990, what, um, 1989. So that's that sort of thing meant that I had a bit of a leg up, which do- doesn't always happen for many people. Okay, but, I mean, let's tell the next chapter in the story because if it wasn't for the fact that they treated you fairly, then you wouldn't have gone to the CSIRO and then you wouldn't have used the, uh, the quantum... T- uh, created the, uh, the, the, uh, the superconductors and the quantum t- tunnelling effects that allowed Australia to get all these valuable deposits of silver and metals hundreds of metres under the ground and make uh, money which, which we, we've all been living off ever since. So, you know, it did good, right? Well, I'm glad you think that way. And I'm just one of many people where there's stories to tell of how science research by Australian scientists and researchers has led to huge prosperity for the nation. And it's something we should be really proud of and recognise it's a great way for person to have a career, but also to make a contribution to humanity. Mm. One other thing I wanted you to talk about, because you've talked about dyslexia as being part of the barrier you had to leap. Talk to me about dyslexia. So, well, um, I've always been a curious child and I had lots of things which I used to do loving the world around me and wanting to explore things. But I was not, uh, I was slow to read, slow for uh, spelling. I'm still a terrible speller. And, um, and writing wasn't my thing. And it wasn't really picked up. I was just seen as, you know, that's Kathy. She's a bit slow. Uh, and, but I always loved maths. And, um, and over the time, I, I guess I found science as my, my happy place, which allowed me to um, really uh, take on my curiosity of the world. And, and, and also with maths as well. Betty and Jim, maths was my thing. And, uh, and I, it was where I was able to excel and over time, you wouldn't believe it, I'm the editor-in-chief of a journal, a scientific journal still, and I can actually uh, go through and edit things, but I've learnt techniques and worked out methods and God gave me a spelling checker on my computer. <laughs> so that means that it's, yeah, we've got technologies now that really make a difference and can really help lift up um, your ability. And that's where technologies can be fantastic to really help and even uh, people's uh, uh, weaknesses into something where it's just a part of the process. It's not doesn't mean it defines you as what you are able to do. And working out, I've got my killer words, which I can never remember how to spell. Uh, naive being one of them, uh, and it's uh, and and sometimes when I'm really tired, I can't even remember the letter it starts with. So you get very good at synonyms, and uh, and so you figure out techniques along the way, and that's and and work hard. That was the other thing. There's a few things which I really worked hard at to try and improve my writing skills, where for others it comes easily. So the other reverse is some people, maths doesn't come easily to them, so they have to you know, work ex- equally hard on that. So it's a bit both ways. All right. So a, a dyslexic child listening to this, you can become Australia's chief scientist. Talk to young women who might be listening now, young teenage women who might be thinking about a career in science. What, what are the, the tips that they should keep in mind as they go through this career to make sure that they, they don't get sidelined, they don't get sort of swept to one side? Yeah. Well, there's a couple of things which I, I thought about this. So one of the big issues, and this is for all careers, actually, for women, and, and um, I wish that we didn't have to do this, uh, but uh, sometimes you don't get heard and you, you might have um, hear of women complaining that they come up with an idea in a meeting and then it gets 
um, it get, doesn't get listened to and then some, someone usually male says the same thing and everyone thinks it's a great idea. So um, one of the things is when you're in a meeting, always buddy up with someone. So if you raise a point, make sure that um, if you if that your buddy will say that's a great idea, or that's uh, or if someone doesn't listen to it and then replay and then re, mm -hmm. re, re, um, reuses your idea, say that was great. Uh, you know, Kathy thought of that too. Isn't that good? So it's just reminding people uh, yeah. where the ideas came from. <laughs> Another one is sitting in where you sit in a meeting if you want to be heard. And I call it the power position, which is sit opposite the chair. Not because quite often people think sitting next to the chair of a meeting is a powerful place. That's where you sit when you haven't done your homework because they don't see you. The person mm -hmm. opposite is the one who actually often gets a lot more of the attention of the chair. And you often, if you want to get your point across, can do that. Another thing is go to conferences. I um, there's lots of scientific conferences and conferences during my undergraduate my postgraduate years meant that I met my future employers the people who uh, gave me my first job in CSIRO even though it wasn't exactly my research field they had met me at multiple conferences I used to go to the Wagga Wagga solid state uh, conference every February and um, and mix with the, the the people who are the you know other scientists in other places. And then was able to, uh, when I applied for a job, be known. And, uh, and it's sort of, it's, I don't know if you remember the Legally Bond um, movie <laughs> where she has her CV. She said it's, um, it's pink and smells nice to be so it stands out. Well, that probably doesn't work so well in science, but being present and being seen and being part of the community is helpful when you're filing through a whole lot of applications. They know you and that just gives you a bit of a, um, a leg up. Okay, be, be, be seen. Here's another one from your list I found so fascinating. You say, understand it's not personal when things go wrong. Yeah, so uh, I don't know if, about you, but um, there's been times when I haven't necessarily had the outcome, whether it's a grant, a grant application, a promotion case, or even applying for a, a, another job. And you think, wow, when something goes wrong, um, you blame everyone thinking, that's, um, they didn't understand it or they got it out for me. And instead, and I did that once when I didn't get a promotion, I thought I was definitely deserving. And I wallowed for, uh, for about six months about it. Actually, it's very embarrassing thinking about it. But what happened was uh, a colleague said, actually, let's look at it. What you, you did, you, I was missing, missing a point of what was needed, international engagement, because I had young kids at the time, I didn't travel. And, um, and so I worked for the next 12 months on that and went to an international conference, built up that relationship internationally and got the promotion next time. And that was a real learning thing for me as that resilience. When something goes wrong, yes, you've got to emotionally react, react to it, but don't wallow. Use it as a chance to learn what, what is it about me that I can change. I can't change other things, but I can change myself. And how can I use this as a learning opportunity? And that has been probably the most important thing for me all my life because when things go wrong and it, it's not working out for me, think, what, what is it that I can learn about myself? And that's made a huge difference and it's sort of that resilience changes your mindset. Mm -hmm. Dr Cathy Foley is with us, Australia's Chief Scientist on International Women's Day. Some women say they feel that they have to bend themselves to a, a male culture when they join, whether it's science or, or, or anything else. Did you feel that and, and how do you look back on that now? 
Yeah, in fact, that's a really good point. I've, I've used to give lots of talks about this is what you do in order to become a scientist or to be successful. And I, it's sort of interesting. My older sister is very successful and she's been you know, head of health departments and head of, of, of um, big companies and things. And uh, she retired last year and she, one of the things I said was, what are you going to do next? And I can still remember her saying, I want to remember who I am because I've spent my whole career being the, the square peg who's shaved herself off to fit into the round hole. And I, um, and I, I think many women feel like, and I'm like that too, where in order to fit in, we've adjusted the way we behave. So, for example, I'm a physicist. A physicist are often introverted. I'm very extroverted. So I've spent a lot of my time pulling myself back, not being overwhelming. I actually um, quite like wearing frilly, um, flowery dresses. <laughs> I never wear them <laughs> because that would be seen as not very serious. Um, and uh, I guess the other is also just looking at just the way you operate and the way you work, the way you behave is making sure that you're not coming across too friendly because that might be misinterpreted. And there's lots of things like that where you spend your time trying to be what is necessary to fit in and be able to not rock the boat. And I think we shouldn't have to do that. We should be embracing everyone as they are and adjusting the system to realise that everyone is different. And if we have people having to hold back, they're not being there, bringing their full full mm -hmm. self to work. And we've seen that with the, you know, the whole um, LGBTI and the whole thing of recognising uh, the, the richness of being able to be who you are. And I, I think we're still not recognising that just in everyone. Yeah, we shouldn't be shaving ourselves to fit that uh, that round, that square hole. Hey, uh, Cathy, it's so inspiring to speak to you today. Thank you so much for your time this afternoon. It's my pleasure, Richard. What a great self-improvement Wednesday. Dr Cathy Foley, she's Australia's chief scientist, as mentioned. Part of her work with the CSIRO was about mapping valuable deposits of silver and other metals hundreds of metres underground in the 1990s. It's resulted in billions of dollars for this country. And as you can hear, she's got an inspiring message for young scientists everywhere. You can listen again at abc.net.au slash Sydney. Next week, Professor Richard Kingsford, Centre for Ecosystem Science at the University of New South Wales, will be our teacher for Self-Improvement Wednesday.